This has been C. Young Griper, 718-339-6020. To text, donations, or constructive criticism, 347-927-8398. And also to listen by phone, 712-432-4217. And the computer, www.jrootradio.com. And there's a little mention about safety, that it's snowing now in Brooklyn. And it's important, wherever it snows, there's always ice below, underneath the snow. And it's a very important thing to be very extra, extra careful. People unfortunately slip, and it could be a lifetime slip, a change of life. So be very careful where you walk, how you walk. Also, cars, they can't stop so fast either. You've heard these talks before, but unfortunately, every year, something happens. So, Shadabin. Every day when you get up, Hashem should keep us safe and healthy and well. Also, now <clears throat> the Pasha, we just had Pasha's bow. And uh, big time, the excitement of the, the Yiddish people going out of Egypt. Tremendous, tremendous excitement. And there's some thoughts, some thoughts about this. For example, when it says, Bo, come. I heard a nice young man, the big question, why come and not go? And there's many different discussions on that. And one of them is pretty close to this one. So a young man, a young man was telling me, you know, Moshe, seven times, seems like Hashem said, go, not come, go. Both means come. So he said, go. So when he's ready to go, goes there, and all of a sudden, each time, comes back, it's enchanted. It's enchanted. What's going on? Each time, Pyro says, no, 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 no. And not until this time, as Pyro, Neron Bond says, he didn't know that Moshe didn't know Shem was hardening his heart. This is kind of discouraging. And now we're going up to number eight. And it could be a little discouraged, so-called. So Shem says, come. And the brisk of many say, come means he come because Shem, I'm here. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the, the palace. I'm in the White House. I'm here waiting for you. Come. And that reassurance that he's going now where Shem is and Shem says, come, and almost, I'll take care of business. And it's a big thing in our lives too, concerning Shaduchim, concerning marriage, concerning work, concerning relationships. We, many times we go and we're go-getters. So many people are go-getters. And you try, you try, but eventually Shem, Shem says, come, come. Shem is there anyway when you go. But Hashem says, come, that I'm here 
for you. I'm here already, and it's going to be very good. So we have to have that Muna be talking. And of course, each time I talk to myself, we go into situations, and we worry, worry. Then after it's over many times, many, many times, more than many times, it works out really nicely. From going to work, to chasana, to many situations. So Hashem is constantly saying, come, we just have to hear, hear. It's betachen, that we should try, 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 prepare, 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 and then when we go for it, that betachen, that Hashem is going to now run, he's running a show anyway, but now he's going to run this part of the show, this is in your hands, I tried my best, I'm trying my best. Hashem will say, come. So that's one thing, a little bit feeling that Hashem is here, Hashem is here. It's for all of us, all of us constantly to think about it. It was big that the Robert Miller constantly worked on a certain tape called 596, coming close to Hashem, but see Hashem and seeing Hashem in the Bria. And little, little, little by little, when you see Hashem in the Bria, it becomes real. Enters your world, fills your world. Eventually, you're in Hashem's world, and the more it's clear, that's why once I asked a relative, Rabbi Miller, I, I, well, he asked me. He said something to me. He said, "You know, my father amazed, amazed me." I said, "Amazed all of us." To my father, going inside of Yeshul, to now go outside of Yeshul is going going from this world to the next world. So these words to me, Rabbi Miller, going from inside of Yeshul. And then now going outside, he's going into, like going from this world to the next world. So clear as day. And part of it is what we just said, Shabbachina, to look at Hashem in the world. And the more we practice a little bit, a little bit, it's not only that, you know, we'll just go over it a little bit from your toes to your head and review, but then all of a sudden you see things happen. Every day, all of a sudden, you're waking up. Every day, there's food. Every day, you're worried about this and this happened. So many different parts of the day. If you go over your day, you'll see, wow, a lot of things happen pretty, pretty consistently and was pretty good. So that's a, a little important point in knowing Hashem is here. It takes work and work until you appreciate your feet and appreciate your shoes and your body and your the warm clothes we have on. In our area where most people live today, we have abundance of shoes and socks and long johns and pants and skirts. and It's an incredible amount of stuff we have and, and comfortable, most comfortable homes. So to add to this a little bit, how to build, use this, utilize this, I'm sure Shlita spoke this week and mentioned, said, the simcha of a mitzvah is greater than the mitzvah itself. And brought sources, and that's something, uh, we have to look for sources, but he looked for sources and told the sources. So one thing, Why? As far as reward goes, Chargo, uh, that wasn't addressed. But the idea of the mitzvah having a greater effect on you than the mitzvah itself. How? Because one has 248 limbs, parts of his body, of Orem, and that is affected by simcha. 
you're all of a sudden the 248th, and all, every cell in your body is 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 building and uh, a happiness and adrenaline, and is building a happiness that when you do the mitzvah, you're affecting the whole body, the whole body. So there's a little insight how we can try to think as we do things, and we start realizing things are very good, and what's going on to do a mitzvah with a simcha, do anything, everything with a simcha, what it does, how it changes. And Avram Shor brought a riot saying, when Moshe came down the mountain with the Lukos, Lukos, he came down, and we they heard Makolo singing below, so he broke the Lukos. Question is, why break it? Just come down and give them Musa. Moshe Rabbeinu blasting would have had a major, major effect. But why? Because when they were singing downstairs, the singing, their 248 limbs were involved in the simcha. But this simcha wasn't a kosher simcha. So when a person has saturated his whole body into doing things that are not the most kosher, so you're trafing up your body a little bit. And to uproot that, tshuva is not so simple, yelling is not so simple. The breaking of the luchos was necessary. To shock them and then start anew. So you see, like inside, even today, we have to be careful when we eat a little bit too much, too many delicacies. Sometimes we sleep too much. There's certain things that the Rev mentioned, even if you go to Hasana, the first 10, 20 minutes, maybe that's uh, doing it for the, the Simcha, the Mitzvah of the, the Simcha, and the Mitzvah of the. But after that, something the music comes on, it's a little rocky. Maybe that's not the, all of a sudden, it could be just, your limbs are being colored by trafer stuff. Who knows? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. So a person has to realize the mitzvah of a simcha is big, big stuff. It's a simple and the simple of a mitzvah. It's big, big stuff. And a person can utilize it in so many ways. One more little shtickle also. That Blaise Ginsburg told a story that years ago, years ago, went to a simcha and the girl, the kala was about shuva. They found out later how this whole thing came about. And the mother of the Kala, when she was younger, the only thing she heard from her parents was, don't marry a non-Jew. But many, many years ago, I don't know, 1930s, 40s, 50s, whatever it was. So she went to college. In the college, there was a mixture. And she's really tried to stay near the Jewish boys, but was attracted to a non-Jewish boy. And was ready to meet. She was ready to meet his parents. Went down to the east side, to a big apartment building. I think I think apartment building, and went there. And the man with a gray beard opened up the door for her. And he was dressed probably not the most appropriately. 
opened the door, and she looked. She goes, that's my heritage. And something clicked, and she thought, she thought, eventually broke it off, married a Jewish boy. And from the Jewish boy came this girl now. And it seemed like one little act. And years later, the mother saw a newspaper article and a picture of a big rabbi who passed away. And that rabbi was Moshe Feinstein. So the lesson from here, Blazer said, is that one thing a person does has a major effect. And so much more I'm adding to one's relationship with your wife and your husband, your children, your parents, your Rebbe, your Talmidim, every relationship we have more than the one meeting in a lifetime. Each time it has major effects. Now, Bragg once told the story uh, with Tabinam got a letter, got an invitation to Chasner in Chicago, <clears throat> I think Chicago, and it had his plane ticket in it too. So the young man showed right Bragg, what's this about? He said, send him, uh... <laughs> he called him up. True story. He called him up and he didn't, remember, he didn't know who he was. And the young man answered the phone, the one who was getting married. And said, you know, I don't know if you remember, but in yeshiva, I was giving up. I had my days, and I, one day I decided, I'm just going to go out and look for something else to do. And walking, as I was walking out, I saw you. And you gave me such a hello, such chizik, such encouragement. And I felt, I started feeling good. I said, Listen, guys like this here, I'll go back in. And I went back in, and something happened. It clicked a little bit, and I stayed, and I married a nice girl probably because of that. So I have to thank you. Almost like you're saying, for saving my life. What do you do? A big greeting? Or someone today told me, there's a certain uh, man in the community that has this nice smiley face. So the person said, said to me when telling the story person said to me you know someone came to me and told me that he's acting like so and so or someone acting like so and so who's always smiling so this the guy who smiles is not a do you say the biggest tamachachum biggest anything who knows what but yet what he does how he acts people see and even quoting <laughs> quoting him and giving him some model of someone who's a happy person so we have this very, very big factor of a little poil, a little act, has great, great, great effects. So now, we'll look at a little bit to go back, that a person can begin a little bit with having his whole body saturated with simcha. There's a job. And the more we work on it, so then the more difficult, strenuous, trying situations, at least your body is calmer. Your cells are calmer. That's why Shabbos is so important. Onik Shabbos is urgent. 
So the body soul, the oneg is not just oneg because you have a piece of cake. It's oneg because your whole body becomes oneg. And the whole body then is a tikkun and then can deal better with life. For example, we mentioned a person getting up in the morning. Just think now, a few minutes, you get up. Deep breath, modani. Delicious air. You're breathing. Nothing hurts too much. Your needs, you're able to take care of them. And then you get up and you walk. Talk and think about one thing each day. And your toes and feet, comfortable. Without toes, it's not so simple. You couldn't balance so well. And in those little toes, there's like, there's books can be written about a foot. People go to school, become doctors because of the foot. So you see how complicated it is. And yet, every morning, mm, delicious, works. Don't even think about it. Think about it. Think about the happiness of having good feet, good legs, thighs. Go up a little bit. Your chest, your back, those things are okay. Oh, it's the fingers. The fingers work. My thumb is out of action. You can't even eat. And you go up, and your eyes that you're seeing, close, open, close. Even now, if you're driving, don't do it, but just think about it. Open your eyes. The colors, the colors, the colors we see. There's an excitement. There's an excitement. So this excitement in life... All of a sudden, this is, again, so you're building an excitement. So then when you do the mitzvah, you're eating L'Shem Shemaya. You eat with a, a geshmak, that's just you're eating the cereal. But you're eating to serve Hashem. It becomes the simple behind the mitzvah. By giving people a big hello, the simple behind the mitzvah. Or you're going to daven, the simple behind the mitzvah. Gonna learn something behind the mitzvah. It's all part of the process. And a person who builds a simple behind the mitzvah, your whole body's affected. And it's so much better. You gotta ask Hashem for help here. Say, Hashem, please, please let my body be happy. Let me be happy. Let me think the right thoughts, uproot these negative thoughts, these negative feelings. Many times negative feelings are because we don't sleep right, eat right, and etc. Ask for help. Ask Hashem to pull you out of those doldrums. Everyone has them on a daily basis. Ask for pull, pull, pull. They give you a feeling of simcha because the truth of the matter is we have so much good. So much good for mostly healthy bodies and the nice, nice apartments and homes that we're living in. This is like a big simcha, a big simcha. Unfortunately, I'm colored and blind by this is not even taken for granted. You don't even think about it <laughs> at all. And then you get up and you walk, and so we mentioned so many times the safe streets, streets where you can walk safely, you can pray, you can be who you want to be, you can follow the Torah. So much, so much. And then so much grocery stores, the food you want, when you want it, and even if you don't have money these days, there's 
people put on the bill, credit cards, not, not advocating, but that's what it is. And these are thoughts should have to build simcha, have to build simcha. And then the simcha of the mitzvah itself, again, the eating is a happiness, the davening is a happiness. Doing ches is a happiness, but the fill is a happiness. Saying Shema is a happiness, saying the is a happiness. And a woman has to take care of children also. It's a lot of work, but if you build up that happiness, the 20, 248 limbs that start getting to cooking, and so you start feeling good about it, so help, it'll help with the simple with the children in the morning. It's hard. You're saving the world. A woman taking care of children in the morning, then homework and helping putting the, and putting them to bed, it, Heroic, heroic. A man too to get up and go and learn and work. If he's able to help out in the morning when he comes home, of course he has to help out when he comes home. Give that woman that little break, a big break. There's children to get involved, to get involved. It picks up, but it's a simcha, a simple way to build the simcha behind it. We get so worried, worried, worried. And the worry takes over the simcha. Again, I'm talking to myself. You the the worry you have to prepare, prepare what you have to do. Okay, Shem takes over, make the decision. You go for it. Have and Hashem. So then your life will be a more simcha life because you won't be worrying, dagas and like all day long. You go to a business, you go for a deal. Therefore, the walking in the streets, that could be a simcha. They have a job, it's hard jobs, hard. Yet, Hashem, you have work. And try to make a kiddush Hashem at the work. Do the best you can at the work. So, with that too, we see the the actions you have to do. It can be done with a with a happiness. So now we we'll look a little bit into the Ten Commandments. We're looking at number five. It's called be, be loyal. Now this takes a lot of simcha, a lot of simcha and responsibility, and knowing why you're here, what you have to do. Being loyal doesn't mean just, you know, not looking here, not looking here. No, be loyal straight to your wife, straight to your husband. And if you have children, be loyal to your children too by giving them incredible, incredible courage. Loyal to your parents. Child tells his friends, I can't do this. Uh, Abba said, no, that's, that's, a, that's a loyalty. But the loyalty for husband and wife, the Rev said, it's a... You have to do everything to make your wife happy. Do everything for your wife or husband's well-being. This is not out of love. This is a responsibility, an obligation. It's like new news for all of us, huh? I don't know. I don't feel. I don't feel. So I, uh, no, 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 no. You got married, you signed the contract, 
So now it's time to show utmost loyalty. He doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, she doesn't do this, she doesn't do this. Many, many times. If a person does what he or she has to do, it has a major, major effect. A major, major effect, especially I know husbands who can do this, give chizik and encouragement. It's, it's, it's a tremendous thing. We mentioned little morning letters and hellos, and then during the day, a little I love you phone call. And encouragement, encouragement. You come home, sit down, let me take over. Encourage, encourage. And the good words could be for any little thing. That would be a royal mess because of the action going on. Yet, I didn't say that a lot of people would like that action going on, but don't have it. So, but on the other hand, you can see nice. You can see this action. You can see this food on the table. The table is nice. You see she's dealing with the children nicely. I mean, there's so many things you can come up with to encourage. And this, again, it's a mitzvah. Obligation. But therefore, you can prepare by doing it with simcha. The simcha of the mitzvah. Your 248 limbs are, are, are out there, are doing it. And the loyalty, again, I think it's a tremendous idea here. Not like I'm nice because she's nice, or I feel good today. Or... She does this every day, I can't take it. Or he does this every day, I can't take it. No, 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 no. That's that's not the way you're thinking. We've been brainwashed by the world. Brainwashed by the world. When a person gets married, he has a thing of his obligation. She has a thing of her obligation. And like remember the first commandment, be realistic, expect the unexpected. You're going to be unexpected. You think the other person is not fulfilling his obligation or her obligation. It's different levels of obligation. Most of the things we think they should do or shouldn't do, is, it could vary. You can, like putting your square into her circle or the other way around. Most of the things we can let go is not halacha, it's not life at stake. But it's important that again, man or woman has to do for their mate, has to do anything to make them happy, and do anything for your mate's well-being. He needs a little break when he comes home. She needs a little break when she comes home. Think, think, think is your obligation. Now, a wife and a husband's well-being could be different for each wife or husband. Most of this, most are pretty similar. That's what you say. Say like a rav. Say like a rebison. It's a, it's a very important thing to know how. I know for ladies, rebison brag. So many ladies have given a tremendous advice. It's your job, your job to make your husband happy and take care of his well-being. I remember told many, many ladies, when the husband comes home, have a little spread for him, a little something nice for him. A little bit something. Give him that 15 minutes or so. You'll have a new husband. You're taking care of his well-being. 
work was hard. The work world is hard. Money is is it's a lot of tension. The whole thing is hard. So women who could do that, I'm out for my husband's happiness and well-being. But unfortunately, we get ideas in our head. Well, he doesn't do this, doesn't do this. I'm tired. Not saying you're wrong. This might be all right, but there's an obligation and responsibility. And, of course, the other way around. A man's responsibility is to make his wife happy. Take care of well-being. That's why we created this no-tension zone, young men and old men, older men. The women have to hear and see from the husband that stability and security. He comes in and has to be a calming effect to the home. He's an angry man in general, or he's a restless person. Still, I tell you stories of husbands who came from businesses. One man used to work out of town every day, three-hour ride here, three-hour ride here, the chef, then come back home. And when he walked in that house, he was burnt. But before he walked in, uh, the man's son told me he'd walk around the block who knows how many times to relax. And then he told me he would go to a little pizza place next door just to have one slice of pizza, not enough to take take away his appetite. And he'd walk in the house and he would be the most refreshed, happy man in the world. And this man went through. He could have been angry. He could have been tense. He could have been short-fused. But no. He realized his responsibility to the home is to... Make his wife happy and take care of her well-being. And he comes in. The first response we mentioned is the loyalty. Good to see you. How wonderful. How he had a hard day. Whatever he has to do to just calm her down. If she's been upset about something, you have to take it. Because most of the time upset is, is not... Even though it seemed directed to the to the husband, there's a lot of factors that happen all day that make the frustration level much higher. For example, she just won the million dollar lottery, and you walked in a couple minutes late. I don't know if you'd get that all that yelling all over the place. I'm not sure, but after a hard, hard day, stressful day, so it happens. I'll be a commandment later on, letting mean words pass by. The point is that a husband has the obligation to tell care, take care of his wife's well-being and to make her happy. Because uh, we mentioned many times when a woman gets married, she has four arms, four legs, four eyes. It's like automatic. That's why a man, man feels she's telling me what to do, boss me around. No, I got it all wrong. If you forget the milk, she gets upset because how could you forget the milk? She would never forget the milk. It's one body. Right away, she's building a, um, a unity, an octus that the man has like no idea. And it's a tremendous thing. That's why you need a rub, you need a rabbi, you need a mentor to tell you about this stuff. You're being told what to do? Yes, yeah, sure, yes, yeah, sure. Get into it, get used to it. You're not being a puppet. You're not being a slave. You're not. You're being the person who's making her happy and helping her well-being because she'll come be calm and secure. My husband comes home. He's here to help. He's here to help me. Oh goodness, what a hard day! Oh, he walks in. Ah, my savior. 
Like Superman. Even if she makes a mistake that messes up and you got to fix it up, don't say anything. That's your job to fix up. So that's loyalty. It's your responsibility, young men. But that goes back also to a little bit the simcha of the mitzvah, of the obligation here, of the chiv here. And if you're working on your own well-being by being besimcha and your walks and your talks and you walk in also with a simcha, I have a house, I got a wife, I have a life. No man was out of town, he worked, but he called his wife every day. Then he told me, you have a wife, you have a life. And Hashem, everyone should be blessed to get married. It's a, it's a big thing. And loyalty is one of the areas that's sometimes attacked. Because sometimes the young Kala, young Hassan, talks to the parents. And they didn't hear Rab Miller's speech. Rab Miller's speech of uh, a parent has to give a child respect. And if you have some money, give him some money. Stay out of their business. Stay out of their business as much as possible. So what happens is, I can tell you a story, a <clears throat> girl, a mother, she was from England, <clears throat> and she got married in America. And I was, I was involved in a relationship, and they had their ups and downs, but they were trying. Then I heard, I got a phone call, you know, this girl's parents are coming in the summertime, and they plan to take her and the children back to England. I investigated. Why? Because the mother and father think he's a monster. And I knew the relationship. And every month, she, every couple of weeks, she calls and she complains. About the time they made up, she didn't talk about it. So the parents got this image of this monster. Some of the people get that in... Parents are not so far away. Some of the person gets, unfortunately, you can talk to a therapist, and the therapist also thinks your husband's a monster. Other people think your husband's a monster because you're opening up your mouth. And the other way around, too. So what happened was, I had to talk to the parents and calm it down. Another story. Father was texting his son. What he didn't like about his uh, new daughter-in-law. And text and text and enough. And what happened? She found the text. I finally, I told him, enough already. What are you doing? <laughs> <coughs> but there's a disloyalty. It's important. <coughs> Even your parents, when they say something about your mate, <coughs> you say, no, I, you know, she, I have to help her in the house more. She's so busy. She works. She comes home. And I have to help her. So the house is a little sloppy. And me, I get to help out. Or your <coughs> mother speaks to daughter-in-law about the complain about the husband with money and this and that. Oh, no, it's, a, it's it's workable. We're really trying to, we're making ends meet. We we have our time, but you'll be loyal to your husband and wife. Loyal to your husband and wife for their well-being. Their well-being is not to talk lush and horror about Not to talk things about them that really the parents can't change anyway. Usually when a person tells a parent, especially out of town, about the mate, they can't do anything. And they won't forget. Parents won't forget what you tell them. Three years go by, they'll they'll remember the six, seven incidents where something happened. 
And those are the things. Oh, is, he, is he still good? He doesn't yell at you, or she doesn't yell at you. You'll hear these forever and ever. <clears throat> so it's crucial not to talk negative words about your mate because it causes a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. So that's something that has to be stopped. But the loyalty to your mate has to be confirmed. You have to sit down. Everybody must sit down and understand you are a holy person and that you live forever. And uh, it is dependent on what you do in this world. Not what your mate does in this world. And that you have to think, going back to the Isle of Bays, what is my obligation as a husband? What is my obligation as a wife? And one of them is to be loyal. Again, we repeat, loyal. Ram Miller is one of the definitions. You must take care of the well-being of your mate and you must make your mate happy. And even if they're sour, if a sour husband, sour man, you still have that obligation. <clears throat> and will come out if their children, they will see. Well, Papa was always delightful and encouraging mama got upset once in a while so that will not rock their foundation so much they'll get the good out of their father and they'll even get the good out of their mother or the other way around where the wife is constantly the husband comes home a little grouchy, grouchy same thing always kind sweet and taking care of his well-being and same thing the kids will come out okay Children might come out a little, they might be disappointed in the father or the mother. But you have to sit down and say, what is my obligation? You should go over with someone. Someone who is knowledgeable. Again, a big rover, a rebison, someone who is in in with it with you, and knows you, knows the family. And you'll see it'll be a whole different world whole different world. We don't think about all obligations. We think about everyone bugging us and everyone else's obligation. We're brained by the world. Everything, everyone else is to blame. Ah, that's not me. I do some introspection. Very nice. But the second step after your own introspection, improving your own mitas, what is my obligation on this planet? And men and women have an obligation to make their mate, wives, and husbands happy. And take care of their well-being. <clears throat> this is something we can work on. If we get into our heads, it's an obligation, it's a khir, it's a responsibility, not just a nice thing to do. Not if my husband and wife is nice to me. Not if they're doing what their obligations are. What are my obligations? And honestly speaking, Most of the time, a man can turn things around by fulfilling his obligations. 
And many times a woman <clears throat> have tremendous, tremendous effect. 99% of the time she can change her man too. Sometimes a man's a little more stubborn. And also with the panasa. If the panasa is not coming in or he's not working, and not working because he's not trying, not because he's not trying, but he's... So there can be times that she has to ask authorities for how to do, what to do. And sometimes a man has a woman who lacks giving affection. And she goes on strike in certain ways. But a lot of these things can be avoided <clears throat> if the mate, one mate, is even fulfilling his or her ob obligation to the 100%. You'll see after a while, there's so much more you can do to improve yourself and your relationship to your mate and relationship to your children. Sometimes you find out your children, you didn't give them enough time when they were younger. So you can start now. Start being patient now. Whatever it is, and children who have been <clears throat> disrespectful, respectful to the parents, similar thing. That a child can work on it. I know children who, in the early going, they were rough cookies. And also in 1617, they learned about Kibaba Aim. And I know children who turned it around to the extent it's it's mind-boggling. One father tells me he cries almost every time with his the way his daughter treats him now. One woman told me how her son treats her now. What is your obligation? What is your obligation in your relationship to your parents? Your relationship to your children? Is a tremendous about amount of obligation <clears throat> because today two children have a, a rough a rough time because no one could take the word no so it's very hard today and plus even among the best families we're in a world that throws things around ideas around and even if in your home in your school you don't hear in general you know these negative ideas it takes effect because some in the school they go over some of the news and they mention some topics that are I can tell you shocking no matter how much we try to hold back the children from seeing things here and there they come up with ideas I'm talking about shocking ideas so therefore, so a parent has to think, what do I do? I'll send to this, maybe he needs medication, maybe therapist, before even all that stuff. <clears throat> what is your obligation as a father, mother, to help your child be happy and help him in his or her well-being? I know parents have told me the children had tests coming up and... He told me, he didn't know the subject matter, but he just sat with his daughter. And it was a tremendous, tremendous calming effect. Everybody, Hashem, made it that way. Where a daughter feels when her father's sitting with her in a, in a state of calmness and being with her and trying to listen to her even when she's crying and screaming, this and that. Hashem made it. No other man can do that for her. Only the papa. And if he sits there, and he sits there, with a boy too, boy too, might just need a little hug, might a little, little 
walk or talk. <clears throat> and what happens is when the relationship is built with time and time together, when the father finally says, Chaim, oh, I don't think you should do this. I feel uncomfortable. He won't do it. Because he built, but yet the man as the you, the father as the you, what Hashem gave him automatically to try to be around his children. His quantity and his quality, but it has to be time. Recently got some phone calls on this. Before anything else, you hear, follows busy, comes home from work, comes home from learning, and the wife has a number of children at home, and okay, this week is a critical week, of nefesh week. You have to find time to sit a little while with your young boy and just sit with him, talk, hug him, tickle him a little bit, get him that ice cream and sit with you. Maybe somehow get out if you can buy him a pizza. What about the others? Okay, you got to figure it out. Figure it out. I know family that the, the, the boy turned around in school because the parents gave the extra time. The husband, too, he comes home. He might have to miss some learning. He might have to cut home early. He might have to come home from school early. Anything to give his, his son or daughter that ride to school instead a couple of times or the walk and the talk, the hug. It's uh, it's necessary that a person can do this, a parent can do this, and even older brothers and older sisters, it's a tremendous obligation Remember some boys, seventh graders, and they were struggling. And so happened to certain Rebbe Tomba. He knew his brothers in the 10th, 11th grade. And he told them, spend some time. He's not busy, I'm busy. No, spend some time. Maybe when he wants to play a game of basketball. So take up a little time, play with him. Take a walk with him. Get some money, take him for an ice cream. And incredible things happen. It was like noticeable, the security in the younger brother. Over and over again, because Hashem made it natural that an older brother has an effect on the younger brother. And that this is normal. And a person who does this is an obligation. An older brother, older sister. It's, it's a power that you have. It's not by just telling what to do, telling what to do, even though that might be good for certain children too, to hear their brothers and sisters tell them what to do. But in general, the time an older sister has with a younger sister in the most proper, healthy way, laughing, playing a game, even though you have things to do, you play a little game with your younger sister, younger brother. But this is Loyalty. Loyalty is fulfilling your obligation in this world. And there's so much we can do. Usually the person with Seichel has the opportunity. Some recently said, the Shmuel Birnbaum told a man a little bit how a daughter-in-law can get it along with the mother-in-law. And there are different views but the, the wisdom was incredible, emphasizing that the daughter should 
in law try to act like a daughter, not a daughter in law. Because her way, she's a little more pliable. You know, she's younger. The mother sometimes is not so pliable. Go the other way too, if that's what's going to work for you. But she became a daughter. She worked on her in-laws and became a daughter. And this is big time, big time. Relationship is miraculous. It's wonderful. It's super. So right now, especially now, is a nice way to... Again, we're here. We're eternal people. We're all my all people. And we live forever and ever in the best possible state, the state we create in this world. Every woman, man, can take upon themselves the responsibilities. The obligation that you have to make your mate happy and you're there for their well-being. And we extended it today. The parents and children, children and parents, and siblings and siblings. A person fulfills, fulfills his obligation. No matter what, no matter what. Don't go by whims and he's angry, she's angry, not doing, he's not doing, she's not doing. No, what is your obligation? And you'll see, you go full force. And we always say, say like a rab too, and we say it today, but you go full force of fulfilling your obligations in this world. NC and Griper, 718-339-6020 for constructive criticism. 347 also, 927-8393, that's the text. And live from the phone, 712-432-4217. And also on computers, www.jrootradio.com. And also on the text, if people have questions or statements, you can text them and hopefully we'll all be able to see them before the next talk. So again, Bevin Sion Grape is 718 Haslocha, Rabba, and Ruchlis and Gashmi.